Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Rodriguez, well, he'll shoot another three. He'll hit another three. McClanahan lost the ball, and Keyshawn Gilbert comes away with it. Keyshawn down the left side. Keyshawn underneath, lays it up and in. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Thursday. Cofield and Company at our Thursday home. Silver 7s is the spot. 77-cent beers on the way for Thursday Night Football. And tonight, it's our hometown Raiders in their home away from home. L.A., we'll see what the crowd is like. I think it's going to be a monster, monster Raiders crowd. I don't know how fired up the Rams fans that actually exist are going to be to watch a team that I would say is tanking, but unfortunately they have no picks. So Rams are just kind of playing out the streak here, and we'll get an update on what's going on with their quarterback position in just a little bit. Right now, Raiders on the road, a 5-7 and seven team. They are six-and-a-half-point favorites against the defending Super Bowl champions. Again, on the road, defending Super Bowl champions, and the Raiders are laying six-and-a-half. I saw one of our buddies who covers the Raiders, Vic Tafer, go as far as saying it's a gimme game tonight. So a little bit of pressure. I mean, there's pressure already because the Raiders have no margin for error. They need to get to nine minimum. Uh, if not 10 wins, so, you know, with only a handful of games left here, five games left, they got to win four of five or all five and then hope some of the other teams falter that are in front of them in the AFC. But this is where it begins. I mean, it began with reeling off some victories and getting out of the hole of a 2-7 and seven start. So they've done it. They've done it. And now they're on the verge of getting a really good break here with the Rams and all the injuries and a mess at quarterback and Aaron Donald going down and a roster that is just kind of empty in terms of depth, but that's the way the Rams have played it the last couple of years and it mostly worked out, but once you get some injuries and you pay all that money to high-dollar guys, you trade away a lot of draft picks, can you find inexpensive guys to fill the gaps? And to this point, the Rams have faltered pretty badly so five and seven rams check that raiders on the road against the rams we'll check in with uh, adam hill from the company a little later in the show as uh, adam is on the road he'll be at sofi tonight so the reason the nfl does so well first of all betting we know that um so let's let's get that out of the way right we all knew that in vegas forever and now the nfl is bigger than it's ever been because sports betting is spreading across the country so that's a big part of it but you know it's easy to watch in terms of appointment viewing you know when the the games are not as if other major sports don't have schedules but they play all the freaking time and it's hard to watch every hockey game every nba game every major league baseball game it's appointment viewing every sunday we got thursday games we got monday games we got saturday games coming up in a couple weeks but you know sundays are the day for the national football league so it's easy to watch you can carve out a day we're all really busy everyone's working a lot more now that most people uh, than they've ever worked in the past. But the other thing that's great about the National Football League is the fact that there's upper mobility from year to year. Now, you get a Patrick Mahomes, you get a Tom Brady, you put the right players around them, you may be able to win for 12, 15, 18 years. You have a good organization. You can be consistent at least in making the playoffs. 
But the other great thing that happens in the National Football League because of the scheduling and because the gap between the worst teams and the best teams really is small, every year can be different. And you can sell hope every single season to your fan base. So that's why the draft has become such a big thing. I mean, 99.9% of the people watching really don't know 99.9% of the players who are even being drafted, but it gets hyped up. It's part of selling that hope. And it's something that, frankly, other sports don't have in abundance, but they're getting there slowly. And I'll bring up the example today. I think today is another great day for both college football and Major League Baseball. And now there are some old school people who are going to look at this or hear this and say, you're insane. But what I'm referencing is we've now got free agency in college football. We've always had free agency in Major League Baseball. The difference now in Major League Baseball is there's more owners that want to win, either treating their team as a toy and a side project or realizing that if you spend money the right way, you're going to make money. So think of a club like the Padres, right, who for the longest time claimed they were small market somehow but residing in the number 12 market in the country, one that is uber wealthy in San Diego, a super attractive place to get players via free agency and retain players. Who doesn't want to live in San Diego? But for the longest time, because Bud Selig brought in this era of, hey, you know what, we'll cover your ass. If you want to be a cheapo and just take our money and cry about non-competitiveness, we're with you because we want to break the union anyway. So that all serves our purpose. Well, now you got guys like Steve Cohen coming in with the Mets. You got the new Padres ownership of the last half dozen years. And all of a sudden, a team in the Padres, an organization in the Padres, it was like, oh, you know, small market Padres, poor Padres. And I, I used to tell you guys all the time, there is no such thing. It's owners that want to compete and owners that don't want to compete. It's cheap owners and greedy owners who just want to pocket the money from baseball and the rev sharing. And then there's the owners who, like I said, either they use it as a toy, kind of like Steve Cohen is, but believe me, he's going to make money with the Mets. Or those folks who know they can make money by putting together a winning team. Baseball is still very popular in its pockets around the country. It may not be the biggest thing nationally, but in its pockets, regionally, it can be really, really successful and make a lot of money for the market and for the owner. So... I think what's happened in the winter meetings has been dynamite. I'm going to hit on this at different points in the show, but today the big news was, one, Aaron Judge didn't just turn down the San Fran Giants and an offer in excess of $300 million. He also turned down the San Diego Padres to stay with the Yankees and apparently was offered $400 million by the Padres. The Padres have had a budget bouncing around in conversations at these winter meetings. They want to spend because guess what they've seen? They've spent and they're making money hand over fist. They've got this beautiful stadium Petco in the gas lamp that if they wanted to just collect the money from baseball and be cheap asses, they'd get 18, 20,000. They'd make some money. Petco's a great destination. San Diego's awesome. The gas lamp is dynamite. But why not fill the place? And why not have civic pride, make people happy, give them some enjoyment, 
and most important, again, make more and more money. So the Padres have been on this upper trend. You know, last year, bringing in Juan Soto a few years ago, signing Manny Machado to what a lot of people thought was a shocking deal. Well, it was shocking because the old ownership at San Diego kind of were, they bought into that whole Bud Sealy bullcrap. You got Fernando Tatis, who they brought into the organization. He's got to get his crap straight, but they've got all these stars, and now they're like, you know, we need another one. We've got the money. We made so much money last year. We want one of these big prizes. Oh, we can't get Judge? Well, let's go for Xander Bogarts. And San Diego, San Diego just stole Xander Bogarts, and it's not really a steal because Boston is – I don't know what Boston's doing, but they just stole Xander Bogarts from Boston, one of the ultra-competitive markets. And let me tell you, those fans there – because here's the other thing. There are markets in this country, and Vegas is one of them. If you don't win, people are savvy here. We got plenty of other things to do. And if you're going to bullcrap us and not win, we ain't going to pay attention. And so I, we'll, we'll get into the Red Sox later on. But what's happening right now is more changes in the landscape of sports. I love what's happening in baseball. And then this is the one that people are really depressed about. And I called it a couple of years ago. It's making college football better than ever. We now have college football free agency, and especially at the quarterback position. And we saw it this last year, the impact of Caleb Williams going to USC, right? New coach in Lincoln Riley. And by the way, USC also kind of operating like the Padres. Why was USC operating like they had no money? They had no tradition, right? Having coaches who, like, no-name coaches, lowballing them, staff not paid. Finally, the folks at USC are like, okay, we need to be relevant again. We need our Xander Bogarts, right? And they got a guy who had even more impact in Lincoln Riley. So we saw the free agent market last year produce Caleb Williams from Oklahoma to USC, and look what it did to USC. It turned them around to within this close. My fingers are really close. This close of competing for a national championship in the Final Four. Now, the downside of this is coaches have to be with it. they got to be on top of it. That means guys are going to leave your program. But if you're good then you can bring in impact players that help your program. And, you know, we just had a big day yesterday with UNLV hiring a new coach in Barry Odom. His first job is, and he said he wants everyone to stay, his first job is to make sure that his guys from the Arroyo roster stick around. Well, right now, he's got some work to do because the last couple of days we talked to Doug Brumfield yesterday. Let's uh, listen to what Doug said as I walked up to Doug Brumfield, the starting quarterback, and you'll hear it in here. Yeah, I wanted to know right on the spot, hey, today, and this was yesterday, today, are you going to stay with the program while other guys on your team are going into the portal? What's going on with you? You have opportunities to leave, so you're you're bought in, you are staying, that's your final decision? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. And, and explain to the audience why. You know, this, this is my home. I, I decided to be here a few years ago, and um, it was two, that was two coaches ago. You know, I committed to Coach Sanchez, and by the time I got here, he was gone, and, you know, I was here playing under the road, and now he's gone, he's the next guy, you know. I committed to the school. There you go. He committed to the school, and he said, to the school. He was a Sanchez commit, Arroyo. Strung him out for a little bit. He brings him in. Turns out to be a really good quarterback this year. Uh, he's emerging as a leader. He speaks like a leader. He's was talking in other parts of the conversation, which you can find another about three minutes of the conversation up at Steve Cofield, up at ESPN Las Vegas. Brumfield talked about trying to recruit guys who are going into the portal, and more of them have gone in. Uh, Lee Fountaineau, the center, 
just went in or announced earlier today. He went in, starting running back, Aiden Robbins went in, best cornerback, Noel Williams went in, best wide receiver, Kyle Williams went in. So Odom and Brumfield and other guys on this roster have work to do. But listen, if they get the job done, they're going to have a pretty good team going into next year, especially if Odom can bring in more guys from the transfer portal, more uh, impact players in terms of freshmen and sophomores to build around. We'll continue on this. More college football coming up, National College Football Insider. Michael Felder is on the way on Cofield and Company. Bring a new and unwrapped toy to player services anytime between November 20th and December 12th and receive $10 in free slot play at Silver 7s. Proceeds benefit the Las Vegas Salvation Army. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Let's look back first. What the heck happened last week, especially with USC? Why did they come up so flat as the game went along? Well, obviously, you got to deal with the Williams injury, but I think the real the reality of it all. And, and my buddy Stephen Hartzell asked me. He goes, "Why?" He goes, "You don't think if Caleb Williams doesn't get hurt that they that USC holds on?" I go, "No, they couldn't tackle anyone. They couldn't tackle a single person. They they didn't tackle anyone. The first guy there never got him on the ground, and it was just it was real bad tackling. And obviously, we got to go back and reevaluate this Alex Grinch situation. He's played. Listen, he was at OU. He was at Oklahoma. Or excuse me, he was at Oklahoma. He was at Ohio State. He was at Washington State. He was a hot commodity at Washington State." He traveled with him from uh, from from uh, he he they brought him from Ohio State to Oklahoma to think that was going to fix things, and then now he's at USC and it's not. They can't tackle. The scheme looks great, but man, you got to tackle. You got to get guys down on the ground. And by the way, tip of the cap, hats off to Cam Rising and the rest of that Utah team. Those guys play tough. Any issue with TCU staying in the field? I think that they're a team that they had one of the best regular seasons out of, out of anybody, probably one of the top, well, let's call it what it is, call it top three regular seasons out of everybody else, right? Michigan and, and Georgia could argue that they were better in the regular season than them. And then, and I'm going to pull a page out of 2007 LSU's playbook where they lost to two teams. They're the only two-loss team to win a national championship in the BCS era. And the thing that they kept saying was undefeated in regulation. Guess what? TCU also undefeated in regulation – Really tough call at the goal line for them. I thought Kendra Miller got in. Obviously, they the refs decided that he didn't even upon review. But this team was good. They put it together. And I think what we've got now, Cofield, is a really well-constructed playoff where you're shielded from any sort of a letdown game. You're shielded from, you know, two nobodies playing each other, two teams, one one coast being completely left out or one coast being it, being centered. It's not Georgia. You're never you're not going to get Georgia, Alabama, right? You're not going to get Clemson, Alabama. You're not going to get that. That's a Southeast-focused one. You're going to get somebody from the Midwest or somebody from the Southwest, and you're definitely going to and you're going to get somebody from uh, whether it's the South or the Midwest. Like you got you got a good construction, and you have three major brands: Ohio State, Michigan, and of course Georgia. And then you also have the Cinderella for all those people that were complaining about it being the same teams year after year after year after year. Uh, you've had Cincinnati, and now you have TCU. So when it comes to uh, building a television show. This is what we call four-quad programming, right? It's got something for everybody. Michael Felder is with us. I like talking to Mike because he's got a uh, complete existence where college football is not his life. But I ha- bad news for you, buddy. College football is becoming about a 10-and-a-half-month job yeah. now because what's coming up is crazy. We'll get to your field of 12, uh, big 12 decisions. I thought that was awesome. But first, let's talk about some jobs that have been filled and some open jobs. Ooh. First of all, Dion to Colorado. Did you like the first impression, the reality TV guy walking in, telling players, get the hell out? I didn't love that. I think the big thing is going to be, I don't know. There's, I'm, I'm really like stressed on this one because I've thought about it a lot. 
I know a lot of like my little brother went to A and T, right? I, we've got like a lot of HB folks that my grandpa went to Fort Belly State. We got a lot of HBCU blood in this family. And when he came in and started talking about we're going to build up the HBCUs, we're going to bring the black athlete back to the HBCUs, and he starts to he you know you see him build the best recruiting class an HBCU has ever had, and folks started to like buy into that. And what folks in Bomani mentioned it on CNN, but like. Dion's always been about Dion. He's got a song that's called, what is it? Must be the money. Like this is what he is. So it's just a lot of folks felt like they were sold the bill of goods. And I guess it's one of those things where you shouldn't have bought it obviously, but hindsight's 2020. Um, so that element is interesting to see how folks respond to that. And he did help elevate. He got Jackson state from ESPN plus to on ESPN two or ESPN U. And then he also got game day to come there. So the whole deal, and they had, but they had the best roster you know, because he was able to recruit some players that wanted to play for prime. He's going to bring, I think, 10 of those guys over to Colorado. Now, the next layer of that is the Colorado job. Like, how good can that job be? And the reality of it is, and this is what I think about, Chip Kelly, Jed Fish, Kyle Whittingham, Lincoln Riley, Dan Lanning. We got to deal with um, DeBoers. You got, we're like, we got, there's guys that can coach here. Jonathan Smith. You're going to have to out-coach some people. I'm not, that's not to say that folks at the HBCU can't coach, but these guys get paid big money to do what they do. Otherwise, they know they're going to get fired. And so he's, we're going to get the chance to see if he can coach. I know he can build a roster. I don't know if he can build a roster at Colorado. That's another thing we're going to have to look at. And we got signing day in 13 days. But we're going to get to see if he can coach. And who he hires around him is going to be obviously very important. But I'm very curious to see if it's – he's down by seven. He, excuse me, he's down by five against UCLA. What's he do against Chip Kelly? Chip Kelly, we know he's a mastermind. So I'm very curious to see what this all looks like. So Dion taking a big step up. Yes. Then you get the guys who coached at Power Five who are like, you know what, let me take a step back and let me try something new. That's Barry Odom. Now we're yes. going to find out at UNLV if it was the Mizzou job and, S and the SEC or if it really was Barry Odom. What's your reaction to the Rebel program moving on from Arroyo and picking up Odom? I, I don't like, here's the thing for me with Barry Odom. And this has been so interesting to me. I don't know how he is the pick and you could probably shed some insight on this to me because there's no like real West coast ties. There's not a lot of like, he hasn't been out there. And so I guess this is one of those things where like, we keep hiring these guys that have the Las Vegas ties or guys that have West coast ties. Let's go get a guy that's that's been on the grind. That's done it in the sec. Let's get him and bring him in. He's been at Mizzou, obviously, as a DC, then as the head coach, he also was at Arkansas as a defensive coordinator. So I think the key is going to be, can he bring some of that like nastiness? I and mean, he's a really good defensive coordinator. I do know that his teams play incredibly disciplined football. They do what they're, what is asked of them. They know what to expect. I wonder about what the recruiting looks like. I wonder about what the push looks like for him, what the sell looks like for him. Um, but no, I, I think this is one of those things where it's a wait and see, because I truly don't know. I think Mizzou is a hard job in the SEC. But coming over to, to the Mountain West and implementing some of those things that he's learned from the SEC, this might be a really good second chance for him as a head coach. Louisville completely nailed it. They, they yeah. tried for Brom a couple of times now. They get their guy back. I mean, this is this is a home run. Meanwhile, when I saw uh, Satterfield was out at Louisville, at first I was like, oh, they, you know, they got rid of him. And then I'm like, wait, he got a job? He, he, yeah. he actually bumped up? What do you think yeah. of Cincy going after Satterfield? Well, Cincinnati, I think Satterfield's going to work better at Cincinnati than he than he worked at Louisville. Louisville, okay. Louisville's a little bit of a kind of a wild, wild west team, right? Um, they were, whether it was Petrino, like they were a team that, listen, they were fine with like do-rags, tattoos, gold teeth, 
uh, chains, whole deal. Like they were cool with that. Cut off sleeve shirts and wear whatever you like. They were cool with that as long as you produced. That's what they were. That's what they were as a football team. And I, I respect the heck out of that because I think that that's if you know your team's personality and the type of kids that you're bringing in and that's who they are, you live with it. Satterfield came in and tried to button them up, right? And they didn't really like it. They did it, but they didn't like it. Cincinnati under Luke Fickle is a more of a fit for Satterfield. Because Cincinnati under Fickle, they're also a team that buttons their, they, they're buttoned up. And they they, you know, you, you see what I'm saying? Like they are a team that they're they're these are guys, these are these are these are choir boys. They those are guys that, that do the right thing, do the good job. They're, they feel extremely happy and lucky that they get to play college football. And Satterfield's walking into that. That's what he had at Appalachian State. Obviously, that's what he's gonna get here. Um, and I think that's a good fit for him. Obviously, they're moving to the Big 12, which is a big deal uh, for them because they get an opportunity to play, you know, bigger competition, a team including TCU that's in the playoff right now. So that's a huge thing. I think this is a great – I think this is one of those situations where everybody wins. Cincinnati loses a good coach, they get another good coach. A coach that's going to fit with them from a um, personality standpoint, from a culture standpoint. Louisville gets Brom. Brom's going to come in. Brom was there. Under Petrino, like he's been there, he knows. His listen, his brother played there. They are going to get a. They're going to get a coach that's going to understand what they are. Let them loosen a little bit, loosen up the, loosen it up a little bit. Let them fly around and make some football plays. So Louisville keeping their recruiting class together. This is one of those things, and this is something I found pretty interesting. I don't think anybody from Louisville in Louisville's recruiting class is going to go to Cincinnati. I think they're more happy that Brom's there. I think they're excited, like they're ecstatic. Wow. They're like, oh, I get to play for Coach Brom, the guy from Purdue, Purdue who, with the with their two bad interceptions away from tying that football game up on Saturday night against Michigan. So uh, they're going to be inventive. They're going to have a good time. They ran what four trick plays in that game. That's going to get kids excited. So yeah, I think this is a win win for both. This is a this is a, what is this a triple win, where Wisconsin wins, then Cincinnati wins, then Louisville wins. That, that doesn't happen very often. He's part of the Learfield podcast family, Michael Felder, also Field of 12. You got to watch Field of 12. I mean, it is incredible content, uh, short videos, long videos. Uh, you guys have a 12 big decisions, and I think there's going to be even more beyond this. But right now, let's go through some of these. Yeah. Um, the people have been so annoyed that players are passing on playing in bowl games because they're like, hey, the NFL is more important. I got their back. Hey, you know, that's it is more important than a meaningless bowl game. Wow. Ohio State's best receiver is going to the NFL. What do you make of this one when they're in the final four? He hasn't played for six weeks. He hasn't played for six weeks. If he couldn't get, and that's the thing, and I was, when we were talking about it with Whitfield, Whitfield was still hopeful he would play. Whitfield actually texted some guys at Ohio State during the selection show to ask what's going on with Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. And they were like, we don't know. We have no idea. And no one had any clue. I put in the newsletter that there are rumors that he might play because people were floating those rumors around. And I, I said, there's rumors he might play, so we'll see. And then it's, I post, I go do a show, come back from the show, the press con- conferences happen where he's decided not to play. So I go up in, I do a little edit. Nope, wrong, not playing. But I think the key for, like, if he couldn't get health, what's, what's four more weeks going to do for him or three more weeks going to do for him that seven weeks couldn't do for him? And that's right. the big key for me, like, he came back in. He tried to go. He had one catch, I think, for seven yards. But he hasn't played in a long time. I think that he's – I think he's – the scary thing for me is he might be legitimately hurt. And maybe he should have had surgery already. And instead of trying to get healthy and try to get healthy and try to get healthy and try to get healthy, hopefully now if he needs surgery, he sits down and has it so that he's good to go in, in two months, which is when it's going to matter for him to make that money. And then a big part of the 12 decisions is what has now become like – 
Aaron Judge and Jacob DeGrom, and you name the other baseball free agents. Yeah. The quarterback free agent market in college football. I know people hate it. I freaking love it. So yeah. the guys in the portal right now, let's start with DJU. Yeah. This one's this one could be crazy. What do you think? Does he just leave? You know, he's gonna leave Clemson. Does he go back to the West? Where's he gonna land? Well, you know, his brother's a, I think a four or five star recruit, right? As a as a defensive end. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, his brother is a, a, a like a four or five star defensive end. He's looking at Oregon. He's looking at Washington. Obviously, he's looking at um, UCLA. So, could there be a package deal situation here? What's going to happen? What's the best fits? So that's another part that's going to be really interesting. Could it be Arizona State? Could it be like that's the part that's really interesting to me is when you look at his brother. Um, they they've got this. They they have. Hang on, let me. I got to pull up my recruiting sheet now. Oh yeah, got, there we go. Mateo, he's a five star, six five, two hundred sixty five. Oregon, USC, Ohio State, and Bama. You know what's scary is you look. Ohio State and Bama are going to lose their quarterbacks. Oregon as well. I, it, no, Bo Nix is still going to be there. So Ohio State and Bama are going to lose their quarterbacks. You got an opportunity at those places if 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 Nick Saban believes in you or Ryan Day believes in you to come in as the quarterback. Plus, they get a five-star edge rusher that's six five, two hundred and sixty-five pounds. Wow. I think that that's on the table. So this is going to be really interesting because I think DJ is the most complex transfer portal guy because of what's going on with him, not just in not just in real time, but kind of behind the scenes with his brother. Should Anthony Richardson be in this mix to transfer and be coveted by schools, or did he make the right decision? I mean, just based on the measurables, the NFL is going to have a lot of interest. I think he – I guess I, for me, I don't know how much better he's going to get at Florida. Okay. You know what I mean? Like that's one of those things, and it's it's been frustrating to me. And I was talking – I used to work with Chris Sims all the time when, when we were both at Bleacher Report, and – he, he always talked about people just think if you go back to school, you'll just get better. But if you're not getting NFL caliber coaching, if you're not getting quality coaching, you're not going to get better. You're just going to keep doing the same things that make it easier for the coach. People don't think about this a lot. But in college football, the incentive is for the coach to win. The incentive is not for the coach to develop you as a player for your next job. The incentive is for the coach to win. If they can win with you running just option stuff, and throwing these little dink and dunk passes, then they're going to do that because it helps them hit their bonuses, whether it's conference championship, division titles, going to the playoff, going to a bowl game, et cetera. If they can do all those things, then they don't need to develop you. I think one of the big things for me is I think about Butch Davis. Butch Davis was at UNC, and Butch Davis did a great job of developing guys because he realized it pays dividends in the back end. But a lot of coaches just let guys like Jadavian Clowney just be fast, come off the edge, have one move. If Butch Davis had coached Jadavian Clowney, Jadavian Clowney would have been like Robert Quinn, had a bevy of moves in the ability to get things done. Uh, I think about um, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald or even Ed Oliver, they, those coaches worked with them to create a, a cachet of moves instead of just be stronger or be quicker than everybody else. And I think that's the difference in college football. So for Richardson, why not get a head start? Because at the end of the day, in the NFL, the second contract is the contract that makes you. Go ahead and get a head start with NFL coaching. They can, they, can, they can draft and stash him. I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick, but you draft and stash, and you have an opportunity to grow this ama amazing physical specimen into a quarterback. I mentioned some of the big names. Is the biggest quarterback name on the market actually Devin Leary? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I really like him. I think he's – I've really liked him for a long time. I think he is incredibly um, talented. Uh, he's figured out how to dial it in, and I don't, I don't know why he's leaving. I thought he would might – I thought he might go to the NFL, actually, but – 
I don't know why he's leaving. Um, that's one of those things I got to talk to some of my NC State folks about. But he is he's super talented, got a great arm. I know we've been we're gonna talk so much about whether it's Hendon Hooker, who we hopefully is healthy enough to get through the combine. We'll see how that works out for him, or Anthony Richardson, who we know has a cannon for an arm. But Devin Leary, he's a smaller guy, a little bit of slight of bill, but with big arm, ability to move around a little bit. He's also been able to take stuff off the ball, so he's not throwing missiles at guys that are six yards away from him. Uh, he's been one of my favorite players to watch. I love him. I, listen, I've loved him since he was in high school as, as a junior. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with him. Mike, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, man. You take it easy. Join Cofield and company on Fridays for the 3 to 6 show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. I have played there. You could go down the list of women's players that have played there and had really good experiences. Yeah. The Russian people took really great care of us. And then something like this happens and it just, you know, I'm like the fact that her club couldn't get her out because your club can yeah. pretty much get you out of anything That's yeah. right. over there. The fact that her club, her local government couldn't get her out told me right away this is coming from the top. Lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor, Xavier Pope, is live on Cofield and Company. Aces coach Becky Hammond on first take talking about Brittany Griner. We're going to get into that here in just a second with our buddy Xavier Pope. Uh, I want to remind you, a cool event going on today. If you're not going to make it down, actually, you know what? You can make it here to Silver 7 for football after you go a little further south to Stefano's Greek and Mediterranean Grill. They got their newest location, Blue Diamond and Decatur. You can celebrate the opening with some awesome uh, food like shawarmas, falafel, kebabs, and they've got a meet and greet with VGK's Paul Cotter starting up in about 45 minutes. VGK Insider Show is on the scene as well from Fox Sports Las Vegas. Paul Cotter on the scene. Go see him. Meet, greet, Blue Diamond, Decatur at Stefano's. All right, let's get into the Griner story. It's finally over. Xavier Pope is with us. Xavier, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. How you doing? I'm great. This is a really happy day because uh, I think most normal Americans, or at least maybe Americans I knew 40 years ago, would be really thrilled that the scumbag Russians uh, finally let Brittany Griner go. Uh, but there's kind of a mixed bag reaction on this. I don't know why, but uh, it's a great day because enough was enough. for A minor offense for her to be used as a political ploy tool was outrageous. It was absolutely outrageous, and we all knew that Brittany Griner was a political prisoner. Uh, and she just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong items in her luggage. Uh, and um, she got caught up in international politics during a time when there was war in, in Ukraine, and she was able to be used as a pawn um, and put the United States pretty much in a defensive posture. They're, they're supplying money and weapons to the Ukraine. So there's a proxy war happening on with Russia. So the fact that in the same calendar year that she was um, tried and convicted, and then in a penal colony, the fact that she was able to get home is a remarkable turn of events that many people did not expect um, by Christmas, definitely, unless you were Vin Diesel. Huh. Uh, so I want your commentary on why there was even a split on what the U.S. should do in this case. I, I think we're in a really bad place where we're rooting. We have people who root for Russia. Yeah, I think we have a, a politics in this country that's, that that is pretty much anti anything that um, isn't aligned with um, how their really twisted view of the world. Um, they feel like they had to be against Biden no matter what decision he made. What decision would have, would have Biden's administration would have made that would have satisfied people? No matter if it was, even if, if Whalen was put in with Brittany Griner, they still would have been upset that Victor 
about would have been released. Uh, uh, they, there, there was no situation where people would have been satisfied with dealing with Russia. And then people are saying, um, using sports terms to say that, that Russia fleeced the United States. Why are you rooting for a foreign adversary that is clearly committing ongoing human rights violations as we speak? Uh, it's a disgusting form of politics. People should be before this young lady being getting the opportunity to get back on the field, coming back to U.S. soil, because she is an ambassador, remember. She's a U.S. Olympian, a gold Olympian. So this is bigger than just saying this is a woman's athlete. This is an ambassador of not only the sport but the country as a large. Furthermore, <laughs> we all, I think, believe it's important to be able to voice our opinion if we don't like something in the United States, right? The freedom to protest, to speak up. We don't want to be like many nations around the country where you're putting your life at risk if you speak up. And if there's people listening who are like, who was rooting against Brittany Griner? I talked to several friends who I like, but I was shocked how many of them are like, well, you know, she didn't want to stand for the national anthem, so why should we protect her? Like, brother... I'm sure there are things you don't like that you're dissatisfied with in your state, your city, your country. You'd like to be in this position and have people say, you know what? Sorry, man. You didn't go along with the party line. We're not going to help you. Just today, the reports came out that Iran has executed by hanging one of the protesters in the ongoing unrest that's happening in Iran. The United States is not supposed to be a country... Um, where you're not holding a Bible and smoking down protesters, but we've seen a president do that before. We should we shouldn't live in a nation like that where um, where you don't agree with the country about its stances, and then you are either murdered or allowed to languish in prison because you don't like their politics. Uh, it's a it's disgusting term of events, but this is how people saw a woman athlete, uh, LGBTQ plus athlete, um, and use their politics to say, "I don't like this person," so. I think this person should go away forever. And that's why, it's, that's why it's a lot deeper, too. When we talk about males, how many are uncomfortable with women acquiring power, people getting to live freely the lives they want to live, um, it makes some dudes uncomfortable. Um, you know, I don't want to make you know, graphic references to small body parts, but grow up, guys. Please, grow look at up. It, and look at it, Steve. Look, and Steve, remember, these women, primarily black women, advocated the most in Gallagher Release. If it wasn't for the tireless yep. advocacy of the WNBA players who are now quickly becoming one of the more influential forces in American politics, got Brittany Griner in this international incident, got her released in this in this and only just shortly after Senator Raphael Warnock was reelected, he was elected in the first place with co uh, former co owner Kelly Leffler of the Atlanta Dream. They when she treated players, the players put on vote Warnock. He came out of nowhere to beat her. This is a WNBA players, man, watch out, man, because if you are getting on their bad side in terms of how you're approaching, how they are moving through the world to to, to, to give their voice, man, look out. That to see this is really, really impressive, and I think we should really give kudos to those players. That is a really good positive spin on it. In the end, that uh, women rose up and women got this done, Xavier. Uh, be patient here. I know you're, you're going to be. We, we talked about this before, and i got to pay some bills here. Quick break. We're a little behind. We come back. We are going to get into one of the big stories of the day, and that is Dirty Dan Snyder. We call him the Snyder Dog, little uh, dirtbag fraternity guy who has been running roughshod behind the scenes. Well, 
they did an investigation on him. The report is out, and it, it's worse than you even thought. I mean, this guy is completely out of control and can be trusted by no one. Get 77-cent bottles of Bud, Bud Light, and Michelob Ultra on NFL and Golden Knights game days at the Silver 7s Hotel and Casino. You're getting the return on investment with Devontae Adams. And Josh Jacobs, I feel confident in how this team is playing. Confidence comes from demonstrated performance. The way that they ended last year and the way that they're trending this year is why I think this might be one of the teams that's on the outside looking into the playoff picture that could find a way of sneaking in. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. ESPN Nationals, Chris Canty on the Raiders, and this is a must-win tonight. It's a must-win anyway, but you got to beat the hapless Rams. Big news around the NFL, another shameful day for the uh, commish and the owners, but it all revolves around Dirty Dan Snyder. News comes out today that Snyder, quote, permitted and participated in the league's uh, long-time teams, long-time toxic work culture and obstructed a 14-month congressional inquiry uh, by dodging a subpoena, working to dissuade and intimidate witnesses. <laughs> also, in testimony, he claimed 100 times he couldn't recall stuff. I mean, <laughs> Xavier Pope was with us. Uh, this sounds like an old mobster comes in with a walker and, uh, you know, on oxygen. Dan Snyder, you're not 84 years old. The lying or the claim that you couldn't remember was a cover for lots of really bad stuff. This report is incredible. Yeah, I, I think that this is this go. I, I've talked about Dan Snyder a lot on the show, um, and I've predicted a lot of things that have will ha- have happened since then. Um, um, since the very beginning with the sham investigation from the NFL, I talked about this last year uh, here. Um, it just goes to show you that Dan Snyder is an awful cancer to the National Football League. He no longer deserves to be an owner of one of the most valuable franchises in sports. Um, to to lie, potentially under oath, expose himself civilly or potentially criminally, um, the league is outrageous. Um, and intimidating witnesses um, and, and thinking that he can just get away with it because of his many donations to a political party in Congress. I just really think this guy, I think he can do whatever he wants. I think it's one of the more disappointing parts is that protecting people and especially females in the workplace is now a partisan issue. Yeah, I think that that's now turned into doing something that's quote-unquote woke because some of these women huh. were uh, African-American. So I, I, I think that this is pretty disgusting. And um, the fact that the NFL ran the sham investigation, yep. and on top of that, right? remember, I've said this on the show several times, Steve, in the midst of their sham investigation, they decide to, hey, let's help you get more interest in the club. You know, how about you get the whole thing? And guess right. what? You don't right. have the money right here to do it the right way. So let's give a dead exception so that you can purchase a hundred percent of the club. Let's get you. Let's get more in bed with you instead of less. Uh, this is all a disgusting bed. The National Football League and Dan Snyder have put themselves in. Snyder also under oath admitted to using private investigators. Like this was one of his chief modes of gathering information and intimidating people, and then. He also claimed that he was unaware of who the investigators were. Like, bro, you're at the top of this thing. If you're using private investigators, you know exactly what's going on. That's exactly what I'm just referring to, Steve, in terms of potentially lying under oath. Yeah. Uh, you're going to come along and say, hey, I have private investigators, and then you're saying not, you don't know who they are. That is a really 
critical thing that you should know if you're looking at your organization, some of the intricacies of an investigation to be able to have full knowledge and say you're responsible for actually uncovering what has happened and giving an accurate report as to, to your organization, to any outside organization, to what has actually happened. So to claim that, to try to, try to cut and slice it both ways, is absolutely on its face, clearly intentional by Dan Snyder. And I think that's why I say he's purged himself before Congress. And the NFL was right there with him. The investigation also said the league refused to turn over at least 40,000 documents collected uh, in their investigation. I mean, how much trouble is the league in here? This is completely embarrassing. I mean, this is stuff like, as people are listening, they're like, of course. But, yeah, but you can say we suspected it and we knew it. We have more proof of it. <laughs> this pushes it across some criminal line, doesn't it? Yeah, but well, well, we we have a situation where Congress is going to have to act pretty quickly, right? We're in a lame duck session um, where we're going to have to another party's going to be in control in a, in a few short weeks, and so really what what come down to is what will Congress do? Will they find the National Football League? Will they find Dan Snyder? Will they find the roster commanders? Will they seek to even seek any perjury type of uh, inquiry into uh, Dan Snyder himself? And so um, that's a pretty short window for a lot of things to happen. And I think we have to really look and see what, what is the appetite uh, in this political climate for um, Congress to be able to quickly act and do something about Dan Snyder now that this report is coming out. You know, I made the uh, mob references. We're talking to Xavier Pope, a uh, cultural contributor to Cofield and Company. He's an attorney. He's the host of Suit Up News on Twitter. So I made the mob reference, and mm-hmm. Bruce Allen is part of this whole thing, which, you know, I think back to, like, Sammy the Bull Gravano turning on, flipping on John Gotti. And it's like, oh, you know, Sammy the Bull is a scumbag. Bruce Allen's a scumbag. But that doesn't mean they're not giving the real dirt on this whole thing. And Allen, I guess, spilled the beans an awful lot about Snyder. Now, as it turns out, um, Allen was a perfect partner with Snyder when they operated together because this report says that, hey, the commanders 100% were the folks that leaked the Gruden emails. <laughs> That's so slimy. Yep. Well, how, how much trouble? How much trouble does that get both of those guys in, if they have proof? I mean, Gruden got booted from the NFL. Essentially, the NFL told Mark Davis to get rid of him. Gruden's already got lawsuits. I mean, I see a lot of people, you know, showing just you know, raining money down on uh, on John Gruden. I mean, he's going to get. Isn't he going to get some kind of massive settlement out of this? Uh, John Gruden is about to walk to the bank and collect his money, and the league is going to have some egg on his face. And John Gruden might. This is, might be the way that John Gruden finds his way back into the National Football League. Like, isn't this crazy? It was to throw him under the bus for all of the things that they're now coming to light, and now this they're going to have to pay up to John Gruden. Um, I think this is an incredible turn of events, but it's not really shocking to any of us because we all. Suspected that the that the commander, I know I tweeted about this. We knew they did this. Okay? So we, this is just now it's finally coming out to light. Xavier Pope. All right, we got about ninety seconds left. Very important topic, and I've seen a lot of debate on it, but I'm I'm not equipped to have it, um, or at least have you know real input on this. What's yeah. your What's your final say on Dion going to Colorado, but also the the side of the HBCUs going? Hey, you know what? Dion claimed he was going to do this, but kind of walked away from the whole situation. Yeah, I tweeted about this when it first when the news first broke that Deion Sanders has he has the, the, every right like any other coach to be able to uh, t- talk about how great he's going to improve the program. He actually did it. I'm going to another power power five school, another one after that, or I jump over to the National Football League, um, which, where there's 12 coaches in National Football League, 12 in NCAA, uh, making eight 
$8.5 million or more. I mean, to be able to get participate in that, that's great. Now, you have to think about this. Deion Sanders, were, he was not hiding the ball. He was on 60 Minutes saying, if a Power 5 school comes calling, I'm going to, be, I'm going to entertain the idea. So he's never he's talked about how great he's going to be and what he's going to do. He's accomplished that. But he also said he's given the opportunity. He definitely would entertain it. I don't think anyone should have any problems with him doing what, exactly what any other coach in this position would do. Xavier, what's on Suit-Up News this week? Ooh, everything we've been talking about today. Um, go to my timeline. Go to hashtag Suit-Up News or at Xavier Pope to watch the latest episode. Well, we're both glad Brittany Griner is back. I hope a lot more people kind of wake up on this whole thing. She'll be back. And, yeah. you know, I was talking about just going to get some food in the U.S., you know, at a Greek and Mediterranean place. I'm sure her first couple of meals back here, it's going to be like, wow, I, f- I feel really grateful that I- I'm back just to be able to eat real food, you know, just normalcy. Yeah, just normalcy in her life. And uh, props to her, her wife working tirelessly um, and all the women in WNBA. Uh, it's something that's very inspiring. Um, to be to, to see, so it's good to see her out. Love you, buddy. See ya. Love you too, man. There he is, Xavier Pope. Giveaway time: three six four eleven hundred. Caller seven and eight. Two tickets for the fifteenth show. Social Distortion House of Blues. Three six four eleven hundred is the number. Two sets of tickets. Grab them.